New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. Name this message today. It would be something like captivating our thoughts so we can defend our hearts. So that last song absolutely threw me for a loop. I mean, I'm like, woo. Yeah, we'll just sing that again five times over. We'll be fine. <laughs> so, but as we get started, I wanted to share one little thing that happened just recently. And um, I'll, anybody that's been here for a while knows Elizabeth Lawson. She's back in the States right now. <laughs> Yay! Hi, Elizabeth, if you listen to this. Um, she went to Mozambique with the Irish ministry for a while, then ended up in South Africa for a short season with the Michael's Children's Village. So about a month, a month and a half ago, she writes me this little email saying, Wally, I need your help. She says, I'll be ministering to a bunch of kids. And she says, I need a game for them to play. So, and she's talking, when, we're not talking like kids here. We're, we're talking three, four, five hundred kids. So it's not a, it's not a little bit of... A, so you have to come up with a game that everybody can understand. So I'm sitting there and praying about it, and finally I start seeing everybody sitting around in a circle, and they're playing like a duck, duck, goose type of game. And they're going around, duck, 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 goose. And it says, and she had lots of helpers, which is good, because when you have that many, you need lots of helpers. So they all had their little circle, and they're playing this game. But I heard the Lord speak to me. He says, don't play duck, duck, goose, but what you're going to do is that the one, that, the adult that's going around tapping the kids on the, hand, on the head is going to say, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you now. And the one that you say now to has to get up and chase you around, but, the, but they don't realize that the person that they're chasing, the adult, is really playing the role of Jesus. And Jesus gets caught every time. And Jesus picks up the child, whispers in their ear, gives them a prophetic word, and then instead of putting them back in the line again, he puts them in the center of the circle because that child has now been captivated and captured by God's amazing love. You want to play. <laughs> well, Elizabeth had this one little boy, and she didn't realize that, that you know, all these are, our kids have lost their parents. So she had this one little boy that, right before his mom had died, the only thing that the mom had to give her was a cell phone, a broken cell phone. And he says, you know, you keep this cell phone so you can remember me. That's what the kid had. So the kid takes it, and sometime during this whole program, another kid got a hold of it and smashed it to pieces, basically. But what really was amazing is that during this game, God spoke to this kid in such an amazing way. By the time he got back to the place that he was staying, he realized he didn't even need the cell phone because now he had Jesus, and his mom was with Jesus, and he could speak to his mom anytime he wanted to. And he was completely undone by the fact that God loved him so much that he didn't have to hang on to a material thing, that now he had the real thing in his heart. Through a simple little game. So I'm preparing this lesson. I'm getting things like this in my head. And I really want to take you on an adventure because the last song that we sung basically is my message that his presence is everything. I want to be captured by him. I want to be held by him. I want him to 
to chase after me. I want, him to, I want to chase after him. I want to have that relationship where he catches me and he speaks these amazing things into my ear and that we can have this amazing relationship that goes not just one directional but both directions. So I'm driving around in my lawnmower this weekend, hopefully doing the last cut. <laughs> if you don't know, but it was way overdue. And if you've been to my house, we have kind of a long, a long yard that kind of has fields around it and stuff. But the neighbor's dogs come over and do their thing on my yard all the time in the back. So I'm driving around. I'm trying to look for these things on the, on the ground. And when I see one, I go, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. It, it bothers me. Why? Because it's my territory. The dog should learn that they have boundary lines. And this thing is sitting there, and I go, it's not right. And the first thing I want to do in my head is I want to look around and see if I can see this perpetrator, because I want its head over my mantle. (laughs) Because it's always there. A few weeks ago, I was bringing our three-year-old son to the park up in, in Walworth, and we're playing on the playground, and then they have this trail that you go on, and we're walking along this trail, and there's one dog in this whole time that we're there. So we get back, and we go this through this, like, three-quarter-mile walk. It wasn't very long, really. And we're looking at butterflies and wildflowers and things like that. And we get back, and he wants to get on this teeter-totter that looks like a dragonfly. But he's three years old, so I have to get on the same side he's on because I can't be on the other side because I'm too far away from him. So you're going, wee, wee, you know, doing one of these, <laughs> pretending with your legs that he's actually riding it. And all of a sudden, there's that smell. <laughs> there it is. And, you know, he gets off, and he goes off, and he starts playing. And I'm looking at the bottom of my shoes, and, <laughs> and then I realize it wasn't me, it was him. <laughs> So by the time I caught up to him, he had already climbed up the monkey bars and back down. He had already been through. The, so it was on the shoes, on his pants, it was in his hands, it was everywhere. And there's one dog in this whole park. And so I have to take him to this little fountain that's in the park, and we tried to wash him off. And he had a great time. He thought we were just playing. <laughs> and we get done, and he sees this dog, which is a big black lab. And again, I'm thinking taxidermy (laughs) that's what I'm thinking I'm thinking okay you just soiled my grandchild which doesn't happen and I don't like it and so I'm thinking you know this isn't right so I go over and start talking to him and of course Liam sees the dog and he goes oh doggy doggy and he goes running over and puts a big bear hug on this dog And and I'm thinking while I'm doing this lesson I said wow so I'm thinking one thing, he's thinking another thing. He's the one that got all soiled, and he doesn't even realize it. He doesn't even recognize the fact that the thing he wants to hug is the one that made him smell just two minutes ago. So, where do we go from here? When I was preparing this lesson, I was like, Usually I write everything out, and I like strict, 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 kind of go follow the line. But the Lord says, just let the Spirit kind of guide you a little bit more on this. So I have a, I have a really good history with dog dirt. <laughs> brought the kids to a, when I was a single parent, I brought the kids to a, to 
to the fireworks show. We got there a little late. It was already dark, and, you know, the first loud noises already took and were going off. And my oldest son, Nathaniel, he hated fireworks. I mean, the first boom, he was, ah, <laughs> through the whole entire thing, you know. He, was, he, hated, he hated fireworks. But we got there late, and we're like, we're up in the St. Lawrence. You can sit on this hill, and you can kind of see him out over the river. So we get there, and there's this great spot. <laughs> Nobody took it. So we all lay down. I forgot the blanket, and as soon as I lay down, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I go, I can smell it. It's dark. I don't know where it is, but I can smell it. <laughs> so needless to say, by the time I got back in my car, it was all the way down my back. I go to the market. There must be pterodactyl pigeons there because I have all my stuff in a cart and all of a sudden I feel this large thing and it kind of runs down my face. And there's 200 people, my cart's full, and what do you do with that? It's like, oh, you just kind of walk around pretend it's not there or what? I mean, I'm not a lady. I don't have a purse full of everything, you know? See, things violate our territories. You know, things violate our heart. And things violate our mind. So how do we capture the things in our mind so they don't violate our heart? I'm going to be real with you. I've sat over here for a while, and I've had this thing in my system that I just couldn't get rid of. I've had this, I don't know if you, you can call it a wound, you can call it whatever you want to call it, you can put your own name on it. It doesn't really matter. It's an issue. And I've had this issue for some time, and every time I come to church, I give it away. You know, oh, lay your burdens down. You know, give it to, give it to him. You know, and it's like, it's like I lay it down. I don't know if you guys have this problem or it's just me. You lay it down, and then when you walk out the door, it's like one of those little rubber hands that you use, and you throw it, and it kind of stretches out, and it sticks to something. I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, there it is. There it is again. I come back next week, throw it at Jesus' feet, and walk away. There it is again. So I was getting slapped around with this thing. I'm like, God, there has to be a way to get rid of this. So I'm sitting there one Sunday, and I'm getting this little vision. And you have to know I have an active imagination. But I get this vision, and you ever watch the movie Up? With all the balloons come out of the house? I'm getting this vision. All these big red heart balloons come down, and they attach to the back of my jeans like a hook, and I'm being dragged up out of here. And I'm being pulled up and pulled up through the church into the heaven, and then I find myself looking straight down at the throne room of God. And I'm just kind of dangling there in the air, kind of like like this, you know? (laughs) Just looking around, and I said, oh... (laughs) This must be a clue. <laughs> if you want to play a game with God, don't play with Jesus, don't play clue, because he knows he knows it before you even deal out the cards. <laughs> you know, you start dealing it out and he goes, Oh, it's gonna be this time it's gonna be Mr. Green in the library with a wrench. <laughs> Kinda of knows it ahead of time. So But I'm up there anyways and there's this clue. You know, I'm sitting there and I go, ah. And I know it's in my heart, and I know I want to get rid of this junk in my heart, because it's kind of like dog poo. It just kind of sits there, and it kind of ferments, and it keeps going on and on, and it's in my head. 
And because I didn't contend with it in my head when it first got there, it kind of seeped down into my heart. And when it gets from your head to your heart, then you start really having a real issue with it because no longer is it just a head thought, it's a heart condition as well. So, I tried, I tried laying it down, and I kept getting it back. And this is going to be important because this doesn't go just for issues. It goes for illnesses and sickness. It goes for anything that you're contending with that's not from heaven. Okay? I used an issue as an example, but if you're sitting here and you have something that you know is not from God in your life, then this is going to work for you as well, I believe. When I was a kid, we went camping one time. I was about eight years old. Bless you. And we were going, and we got to our campsite really late. And we had one of those, my mom and my dad had one of those big, large, green army-type tents with a thick canvas. And by the time we got to the campsite, it was pitch black, and it was a torrential downpour. And so, and there's five kids in the car. So we get there, and they have to point the car into the campsite so they can set the tent up. So they get the tent all set up. They're wearing their raincoats. The kids have to stay in the car because they don't want us all wet before we even get inside the tent. So we're sitting there. We're looking at it. We're tired. We're waiting for everything to get in there. They get the tent set up, and they open up the flaps of the door just a little bit, and then they're going to come back and get the sleeping bags and kind of run them into the tent so they don't get wet as well. Well, the flaps open. They're in the back of the station wagon. It was one of those kind with the wooden sides. <laughs> and I can picture this car. It's, it was an amazing car. And um, so they're in the back getting in the sleeping bags, and we're all looking at the tent. And all of a sudden, this little thing over in the bushes starts rustling. <laughs> and it starts coming out, and it's walking kind of like this. <laughs> and it turns right in the headlights and has a white stripe down the middle of it. And it thinks that the tent was made for him. And it goes waddling right inside the tent. And all the kids are going, it's a skunk. You know, it's like, ah. It's not a good situation. And I'm sure my parents didn't like it. So my dad was a genius. We'd stopped along the way and got Kentucky Fried Chicken. And he took some fishing line out because any place we went camping, he had to fish anyway. So he tied some string to a piece of chicken and he tosses it inside the tent. And for you who may go camping, skunks like 37 herbs and spices. <laughs> they like it. So he just kind of slowly walked it out. This little skunk's nibbling on it. He walked into the, the bushes. And their tent was free of the stench because daddy knew how to take care of it. You see, sometimes something gets into our temple that kind of smells and we don't really know how to handle it correctly. Sometimes we try to throw it at Jesus. Say, here, Jesus, here it is. Just take it. Take it now. Well, he's not your waiter. He's not a butler. There's a correct way to do this, and I had to learn this, is that he expects me to be a living sacrifice unto him. So when I give myself to him, the issues come with it, and those issues can't stand up in the presence where I'm standing with him. 
I can't just give him something and expect him to take it. It says, our, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We are in Christ. We have to capture those thoughts that are not from him, and we have to figure out what is the root of that thought. We have to, when you get that thing in your head that says, oh, I'm not really pleased with this person and this thing thing happened, what's the root of that? If you can train yourself to figure out what the root is, you you can get it out of there before it becomes a hard issue. Because if you captivate it, and you're in his presence, darkness can't mix with light, so it has to go someplace. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that it works within us. Now this is like a verse that if you want to remember any verses, this is the one that I want you to remember. Because he says he can do more than we can ask or we can imagine. So if our mind gives us an issue, why would we want to live according to what we think? Because if he can do more than what I can even ask for or think about, then if I live according to what I'm thinking about, I'm living at the lowest standard possible when I'm in Christ. If we don't learn to understand that the mind can be tricked and that the things that we think about can be distorted, then we always live in an inferior reality if we're not living outside our own thinking. See, our minds don't control the realities of heaven. In fact, our minds and what you think is really the lowest standard possible when you're in Christ. See, when we allow our minds to dictate our actions in our hearts, we then live from an inferior reality. Your mind cannot imagine the realities of heaven, so why live in those shadows of it? Why say those things that are affecting your mind are actually the things that I need to take care of in my life? They're not, because they're distorted sometimes. See, Eve was in the garden, and along came the serpent, and told her that if you eat of this tree, then you're going to be like God. The problem was that Eve was already like God, so she didn't really need to eat from the tree. But Satan put a thought in her mind that made her feel like she was inferior to what she already had. So she had to eat from the tree to expect that she was going to get something that she already possessed. See, every thought that comes into your mind distorts your identity in heaven if it's a negative thought. All right, I want to clarify that. If it's not from heaven, the object of Satan really is to steal, rob, and destroy. So anything that he puts in your mind, and if you can recognize it, if you live into that thing, then it's going to distort the identity that God already has for you in, in heaven. So...
How many times have you ran into a person and the first thing that you, they do is run down all their ailments that they have? I have this, I have this. You know, I'm a hypochondriac with osteoarthritis and osteoporosis and I have this infection. You know, and it's, I'm like, sometimes I'm standing there, what is going on? Because, because if you don't contend for the things in your mind, you start to live out the realities that Satan gives you and the things that he places on your plate instead of the things that God already says you are. I'm not saying you don't have those things, but don't live by them. Don't make them part of your identity. You know, sometimes we, you know, I have arthritis in my knee and I don't care. You know, it's there, but I don't go walking around saying, I'm Wally, the arthritic knee person. No, I'm Wally, the son of the king. You know, he's my father. You know, I don't care about that. I care about it because it reminds me, but it's, it's not my identity. So when we focus on what we don't have instead of on what we have, our focus is placed in a reality that doesn't really exist. See, when Jesus in us has given us full access to the kingdom. If we focus on what we do not have, then we convince our hearts that we lack something that is not already present in our relationship with Jesus. We must learn to recognize a lie when it enters your mind or else it will have the freedom to influence your heart. When I worked up in Ogdensburg, it was at the end of the winter and the snow and the ice started to melt. And when the snow and the ice started to melt, this dead man ended up floating up along the river on the banks of of the St. Lawrence River. They could tell by how long he had been there you know, by the water temperature and stuff, that he had been in the river for about six weeks. But they didn't know who he was. So it was my job to find out who he was. So I got sent down into the morgue with all my x-ray stuff, and I had to x-ray him from head to his feet, one section at a time, so I could find out what was inside him so we could see if there's any broken bones, any plates, anything like that, that would be a clue to who this guy's identity really was. So I go down there, and this smell is absolutely horrific. You put three masks on, they spray it with stuff, because the smell and the stench of death is so bad. And I, and I did his whole entire body. Nothing. Nothing. He had no broken, old broken bones. He had nothing. And I was really tired of this case. It had taken me the entire day because you do one picture, bring it up, do another picture because you, you don't want to spend the whole day just doing the entire body because you're just wasting time if you find something. So at the end, I get all done and I go, oh, we didn't find anything. We don't know. Still don't know who this guy is. And so my boss comes a few minutes later and she goes, well, we have to do dental films. I, I don't like it because <laughs> you have to, you know, it's the one thing in your when you can cooperate, but when you have to stuff dental film into a man just so you can get the teeth images, so you can properly make an identity, 
it kind of gets to the point where this isn't fun anymore. None of it was fun anyways, but this really wasn't very much fun. In that image kind of, you know, how things get in your mind, that image of that person ran through my mind for months and months and months. I just couldn't get rid of that image. I had to spend so much time. Ended up, he was a guy from Kingston who committed suicide, walked out in ice till he fell through and ended up in Ogdensburg. But, but, um, but I wanted to do something because when, when I was preparing for this, and you can get that picture ready too for the end, when I was preparing for this, God showed me, and I'm not going to say this is a biblical thing or anything. I'm just going to say this is what he showed me and how he showed it to me. Um, is, Dick, can I have you come up for a minute? I need a volunteer. <laughs> yeah, come on up. Yeah, come on up. I love Dick. He's amazing. Now you want, I'm going to pretend I'm Jesus. And you're going to be somebody who just gave your life to the Lord. Okay, so we're going to do this. And you just gave your life to the Lord. You're on the cross. You just, ah, because you're crucified with him. And Jesus is like, ah. Now you're ready to go on a venture? Come on, come on, come on, follow me. You can put your arms down now. We're done with that part. Put them down, put them down. Come on, come on. All right. Lay down. Oh, sorry, I laid on your arm. <laughs> ah. Amazing. The, the ceilings of a tomb are not very, very good, are they? <sighs> but Jesus comes up and becomes alive. And now... The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now in you. It gets better. Come this way. Keep coming. You see that? That's my kingdom. And I just gave it to you. It's all yours. Okay. It gets, it gets better. My love is your love. And everything that's in your mind, because I'm giving you the, my mind, the mind of Christ, I'm giving it to you. So every thought that comes into your head is from the actual throne room of the kingdom. Because you died with me, and you rose with me, and now I can call you a, a son. You want to see how I see you now? Yes. Look at this. This is how I see you now. We need a picture. I don't see you as blank. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you so much. All right. You're welcome. Now you can sit. Okay. But, I'm, but, I'm, but, but wherever you go, I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going to follow you. Thank you. You can't get rid of me now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right.
Can I be honest again? A lot of times we contend with the things in our heart because we haven't spent enough time with him. I'm learning that the hard way sometimes. That when I get into his presence and all that really matters is him, the other things really don't matter at all. In fact, he is willing to take them when I'm willing to get into his presence and just be. He says we're seated in heavenly places with him. You know what that looks like? It looks like this. I don't have to do anything. I can just sit with him. And over there comes a thought. But if I'm in him, it doesn't matter what that thought is because I can't penetrate the presence that I'm already in. See, the power of your victory comes in resting in him. It comes from knowing his heart. It comes from knowing your identity through him. It's not about, oh, I have to work this thing out in my life. I have to get this thing to work out right. I'm going to throw it down. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to throw it down. It's not about works. It's about rest. When you learn to rest in him, the work is done. He said it's finished. Now you just get to enjoy him for who he is. So I have this song I want to play. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up. I want to say something else, too, because it's on my heart. Kathy Goodwin's actually handing out papers, too, because she wants to go on a trip to Israel with Georgine Banoff, who is amazing. And I wish I could go, but I'm sure my work would not allow that at this season in my life. But if you just have it on your heart to hand her a check on the way out, that would be amazing also. Because we want to send people out into the kingdom to do the things that we really want to see here in our own home church, too. So she goes for us and then brings back something from the kingdom and what's released through them. So, um, so if you feel it on your heart to do so, then go ahead. But today, I'm going to have the prayer teams come up. And if you were at the Supernatural Life Conference, I want you kind of to be ready, too. Because if you're contending something in your heart, if you're contending with thoughts that you know are not from the kingdom, with an illness that just does not go away, I am believing today that if you just get in his presence, that we'll see God move miraculously. So if you want to come up, you can come up. We're going to start this song. And at the end of this song, Mary, I want you to play that other song, all right? So that's awesome. And we'll have people praying with you. I wanted to get a bunch of big red, giant red balloons, those big heart ones, and kind of put on and says, oh, if you need prayer, hang on to one. But I couldn't find them quick enough yesterday. So if you're up here, then you're going to say, prayer team, go at me. <laughs> Jesus... We just thank you for this day. Uh, And all we really want, Lord, is just to allow you to captivate our hearts today.
Let every other lover in our, that tries to contend for your presence in our heart, Lord God, just fade away. Let every other thought, Lord, that tries to contaminate my identity be destroyed in your presence today. We can just start playing that song. The song is, let every other lover fade away. We'll just turn it up. And, and if you need prayer today, I'm going to, can we just turn it down just for a moment? Because I do want to make one other thing. So maybe you're not here today that have an issue and you don't really feel this thing. I want to challenge you that your worship is powerful. Paul and Silas was in prison and their worship released everybody else that was in prison also. I'll take that as a confirmation. But your worship is so powerful that if other people are dealing with bondage in their lives, make sure you worship through this song to help release them from theirs. All right, you can turn it up.